to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Well, hello friends. It's been a little while. Uh, Three months actually since I've preached. And uh, this is definitely one of the uh, longest hiatuses I've had in several years in terms of the preaching landscape. And so, for those of you that are new with us, some of the reasons for that hiatus I won't focus on today, however, they will potentially trickle out as I share. So, last week, Jay shared a fire hydrant approach to prayer, as outlined in the Gospel of Luke, and he thumbnailed 33 references to prayer, and we've actually got a little little version of that up on Instagram. 25 of them, actually, we managed to capture. So, sorry, babe, there's eight missing, which... St- I don't know, I'm talking to you, sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, Ben, hey, hey. <laughs> I've forgotten how to preach, forgot what I'm doing. I'll just give me a minute, I'll just get back in the groove. Uh, thank you, ladies, thank you, thank you. I know you do, thanks. Uh, we see in the Gospel of Luke, in the life, teaching and practice of Jesus. And so that message Jace shared last week, well worth a visit, well worth a revisit, jump onto our podcast or our YouTube channels. And Jace used the analogy of prayer like a lolly shop. And this kind of was in the sense of the depth and wonder, opportunity, variety of prayer as being like vast and beautiful. And you see, it's an important part of our discipleship growth journey when it comes to prayer, but when it comes to all manner of things in our discipleship, but when it comes to prayer, not just to stick to the humbugs because we've always liked the humbugs. That's our lolly of choice. But we've kind of got to be willing to potentially try the exotic double salted German licorice or potentially consider the fun size sherbet sticks Or in my case, my personal favourite, give the teeth a go. Yeah, I love the teeth. In the retro party mix, Alan, when they brought back the teeth, now you can get a whole packet of just teeth. All about teeth, it's called. It's obscure. When you actually stop and think about it, I'm like, what am I doing? I am eating teeth. I'm eating something that is in my mouth that kind of tastes like spearmint. I don't know. Anyway. But rather than fleshing out this analogy of the lolly shop further, I'm going to land in my own very current, (laughs) very real prayer chapter. And I'm going to take us out of the lolly shop of Margaret River and instead place us on the beach in Bustleton, in solitude, surrounded by lots of rocks. So we head to Bustleton every year for our annual family holiday. And we've actually been staying at the same accommodation for the last 13 years. And so the first time we went, Levi was a baby. He was months old and our eldest was only four. This time on our way down, our eldest drove one of the cars to accrue her hours for her licence. And Levi certainly wasn't a baby that we had to wait for sleeps for. And so there was significant things about this holiday that felt very different very significant. But there were also things about this holiday that hadn't changed at all because what happens for us at this time of year is there's a sense of recalibration. There's a sense of extended family time. There's great food, lots of day trips and me churning my way through a novel every 
two days, sometimes one, depends on how much I like it, alongside generally eating a fabulous cheese board. However, this time in Bustleton was tinted by shadow because Bustleton is where my mum lived. And this was the first visit to that space since her death in November last year. And so I knew painfully and reluctantly that God wanted to do some work in me whilst I was down there. And so I found myself sitting on the beach early one morning in solitude, positioning my heart in prayer, but not having any words. And actually, that has been pretty much a regular practice and a regular rhythm, the not any words bit, of my prayer life for the past, say, three months. Very little talking, mostly listening, surrendering and allowing Holy Spirit in the words of Morris West, to knit my soul back together. And so on the beach on this morning, I found myself in Ecclesiastes. And as is good practice, I approached the Word of God, believing it's salt and light and bread for me for today. And I asked Holy Spirit to speak to me through the Word of God. And I found myself in chapter 3, in the oft-quoted passage that many of us have probably had on our fridge or on a bookmark, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And I went on and read my way through Ecclesiastes chapter 3, but it was verse 5 that hit me in my spirit as I sat there. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Now, in fact, many translations reverse that. There's a time to gather stones and a time to scatter them. Now, kind of an odd place to land, right? I thought so too. I'm like, Lord, this passage speaks a lot about dying and living and mourning and weeping. It kind of feels like that's my jam at the moment. What on earth do you want me to see about gathering and scattering stones? And so, as I've sat and marinated and prayerfully considered. Here is what I believe that means. And so I've been gathering prayer stones for the better part of the last two years, culminating in these last three months. And what do I mean by that? Well, that's a metaphor. I've been gathering richer, deeper theology, if you will. I've been unlearning some things around prayer, And I've been relearning some things about prayer. And I've laboured over these gathered stones. As I have gathered them, I have held them in my hands, examined their shape and texture. And many of those stones, as stones are, have been bland and beige. Many of them have been much heavier than I expected. Many of them have been rough and scratchy in my hands. But now is my time, friends, church family, to scatter them to you. You see, part of my role as shepherd and teacher is to give you what I have. In the words of Ruth Haley Barton, who's an author and spiritual director, she would say, as a preacher and teacher, our greatest gift is to give the gift of our transforming self. Here is my transforming self today, friends. So my prayer today is that you will posture in open-heartedness. You will right now just say under your breath, 
Holy Spirit, speak to me. And as I teach and share some of these stones, my prayer is that you will catch the ones that are meant for you. As I scatter them, that you will catch the ones that are to impact your heart. And you see, the idea of throwing a stone out and catching it, you see, that might feel a bit, (laughs) as you catch it today, it might feel a bit heavy, a bit impacting, a bit convicting. Perhaps for you today, this will be a new way of you seeing prayer. Perhaps it'll give you a next step in your journey as we kick into 2023. Perhaps it'll be a call to reframe or to repent. But catch these scattered stones today, I pray, dear people. Okay, we ready? So let's pick up again in Luke. But I'm really just going to land in Luke 11. And the reason for that is that this is really the key teaching on prayer in Luke, right? Here Jesus is responding to the disciples saying, teach us how to pray. Now what I find kind of fascinating about that is that the disciples were actually pretty well accustomed to prayer, given that they'd grown up in Jewish customs. Prayer wasn't a foreign concept to them. But what they're actually saying here is, teach us how to pray like you, Jesus. Because what the disciples had recognised in Jesus was an intimate, radical, unique way of praying that they were desperate to take hold of. So let's pick up in verse 5, Luke 11. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me, the door is already locked, my children are already in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though you will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, this passage of scripture is used a lot when it comes to teaching on prayer. And it can be really easy, potentially more simple, to land in the asking and requesting bit. To pick up on the shameless audacity bit. To pick up and focus in on this is about us receiving and finding and opening. This is about good gifts. It is easy for me to preach on the request end of prayer. Or in the words of Christine Kane, the blab it and grab it bit. She doesn't say that endearingly, by the way. And yet, friends, in typical Jesus style, there is this small but profound subtext that actually flanks both these examples that Jesus here presents. Verse 5, suppose you have a friend. Verse 11, which of you fathers if your son? So Jesus here 
gives us a context for prayer, not just the content of prayer. Here, Jesus is talking about prayer in relation to friendship and family. In other words, intimacy. Jesus here is highlighting that prayer is not simply transactional, informational. It is far richer, deeper, wider. Prayer, friends, comes in the context of knowing and being known, loving and being loved. Need isn't the drive for prayer. Love is. So Tyler Statton, in his freshly published... Who says I don't have hand-eye coordination? That was... Thank you, Jesus, for making me not look ridiculous. I'm just... I'm overwhelmed by that. I don't think I've ever caught anything in my life. (laughs) It's true. It's really true. Praying like monks, living like fools. Tyler Statton is the uh, pastor who has just taken over from John Mark Comer in the Portland, Oregon church, for those of you that are familiar with John Mark Comer's work. And so literally just published a couple of months ago. He would say this, prayer is a journey that starts with needs and ends in relationship. When we are first born, he uses the analogy, our first words are unintelligible cries of pain and need. Babies weep and wail before they learn coherent speech. Hey, Hawks and Pritchards. Before they learn the relational trust in the mother and father who brought them into this world. Likewise, prayer is a primal language. Need first drives us to our knees, but relationship keeps us there. And so, friends, our prayer life is designed from us, designed for us to move from being wailing, knee-driven infants to mature, intimate adults. It's God's heart that we have a far richer, less primal infancy in coming to God, that we come to Him because we love Him. Prayer is loving God. Stuff, gifts, answer, our requests being met is actually the fluff. It's the periphery to the context of prayer. Okay, here's the heavy stone though. Why does that really matter? That's not altogether that profound, Em. I know prayer is loving God. Okay, can we test that? The measure of our love for God is often tested in how well we believe he is meeting our needs. Because what if God isn't meeting your requests? Because right now, let me tell you, I have a number of pending requests. I have a number of needs not being met. God hasn't explained himself very well when it comes to a key number of situations that I have walked through and I'm walking through. God hasn't come through in the way I had hoped and prayed. I have a number of pending requests. I also beautifully have a number of no's and I have a number of silences. And these requests I have come to with shameless audacity. 
in the scripture there. I've come knocking and asking, but right now there is no bread. So then, where does that leave me with my love for God? Do I still love him? And I have sat there with these heavy rocks of unanswered prayer in my hand. My conversation with Holy Spirit has gone a little like this. Holy Spirit would say to me, well, Em, what are you loving more? A neat, easily explained life or me? And just for good conviction measure, is it actually the gift you want, Em, or the giver? And me, a bit sulkily, has said, but Lord, right now you don't make sense. Your ways don't make sense. Your sense of order and outcome does not make sense. I came knocking for bread and you don't even seem to be opening the door. And Holy Spirit would say, so are you still going to love me? So prayer is loving God, friends, even when his actions appear unlovable. Even when his actions appear unlikable. Prayer is loving God, not stuff, not the need outcomes, not the need answers, not the life we thought, not the values or gifts or virtues. All of that is good. But prayer is loving the giver himself. Love is costly. Love costs us the way we think it should be or the way we think God should behave. Love is radical, courageous faith in action. Love is God's economy in terms of how we pray and to whom we pray. Prayer is loving God. Mother Teresa would say, prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself. Ask and seek and your heart will grow big enough to receive him and keep him as your own. Prayer is loving God. Number two. See, these are fun, aren't they? Let's go back to verse 11. Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the context here again, as mentioned, is relationship. Father and son, known, deep intimacy in both directions. And so we get the thing about eggs and fish. We get the idea, right? We, we get this is about the Father's heart. We get that we come asking and that the Father loves us and he will give us good gifts. But did you catch the switcheroo in verse 13? Jesus pulls a swifty. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hold on, Jesus. We were talking about eggs. Now you're talking about the Holy Spirit. I never asked for the Holy Spirit. When did we switcheroo here from fish and eggs to the Holy Spirit? My conversation would go like this with the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask for you. I asked for an egg. You love me. You know me. Aren't you going to give me the gift of a good egg, Lord? 
in response. Actually, Emma, no. That's the problem. You're asking for the wrong thing, my girl. You ain't in any position to have an egg right now. You don't have the strength to hold it, the wisdom to peel it, the faith to eat it. So how about you move away from that whole idea of the egg and instead I'll give you the Holy Spirit to equip, strengthen and empower you regardless if there's an egg involved or not. And just for good conviction measure, Holy Spirit would say, I know you need me. Right now I want you to want me. I want you to turn the desire for my hands to the desire for my heart. You see, need begins with us and places the trust on us. I know what is best for me. Here's what I want. Want flips the table. Want begins with God and places our trust on Him. I believe you know what is best for me and because of that I want you. Prayer is wanting God. Peter Grieg, founder of the Global Prayer 24-7 movement, won't come up as a quote because this is a paraphrase. He would say in prayer, often we're praying, believing, requesting for God to send a miracle helicopter down and remove us from the situation. Instead, God regularly sends himself down in a parachute and gives us himself. (laughs) You thought that was the stone. No, 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 no. See, it's okay to want God when his outcomes seem rosy and good and predictable. But God wants us to want him even when we're struggling to like him. God wants us to want him even if he seems to be the apparent cause of our pain and suffering right now. God wants us to want him even when we don't understand him. He wants the cry of our heart not to be, God, I need you, but God, I want you. And you think about that. You think about the radical nature of that. You you think about you standing around with some mates or some girlfriends at a party and you relaying, hey, how's your relationship? And, And you prattle off. You go, oh, well, my wife, my hubby. It's giving me the silent treatment, hasn't talked to me for a number of days, weeks, months, hasn't met any of my requests, doesn't seem to be doing anything I asked and can see that I'm in some level of pain and yet doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. What do you, what do you reckon, fellas? What do you reckon, ladies? What should I do? What are they all going to respond with? Run for the hills. What are you doing, you idiot? What sort of relationship is that? Can you imagine in that context, you piping up and going, yeah, I've, I've got a different way to think about that. Trust them more. Want them more. <laughs> How would that land in that context? People would think you're insane suggesting such a thing. And yet, friends... As maturing disciples, this is often where God calls us to. This is a counter-cultural move. You don't get me right now. I'm apparently the cause of your pain. There in that, want me more. There in that, trust me more. 
Friends, that's the gritty nature of the discipleship majority process. That's the ouch. That's the fear, the reverent fear, the reverent awe of God in that. It's like when we see in Psalm 37, and this won't come up here, but trust in the Lord, take delight in him, then he'll give you the desires. It's not the other way around. He doesn't prove himself, then we trust him. Uh Uh-uh, trust me, want me, delight in me, then I give you the desires. Tyler Statton again, and I'm not going to pick the book up because that won't happen ever again. That was a miracle. (laughs) The subtext behind every miracle, the soundtrack beneath the life of every saint is a defiant and courageous choice in the face of the dark experience of God's absence and silence to say, I choose trust. Wanting God is radical. Wanting God is courageous. Wanting God moves us from a posture of need and it being about us to wanting and it being all about him. Don't underestimate the courage, the radical posture of that. Prayer is wanting God. Number three, we'll round this out today. Let's return to Luke 11 again. Here Jesus provides a template. I haven't read this bit yet. When you pray, verse 2, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, if we flick over to Matthew's version of that, in chapter 6, he includes your kingdom come, your will be done. And I really want to hone in for a moment on that will be done bit, which is embedded in Luke's. It's just not translated as explicitly. And so Jace unpacks this your will be done portion of the Lord's Prayer in one of the many videos on our YouTube channel under the Lord's Prayer playlist. It's a great nine-minute video that unpacks this. But let me just come at it with a little bit more. So Jesus strategically is teaching the disciples to pray, Right? Begins with adoration and honour and then moves into this phraseology. We are to pray, he's saying. This is the lesson. You are to pray these words, this sentiment, this posture. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not our will be done. Not what we'd like or what is most comfortable or preferable or palatable. Not what feels the most peaceful or great. But your will be done. So then you might go... Well, actually, what's the point of praying then, Em? If I'm just praying God's will to be done, he's God. He's all-powerful or seen or knowing. His will is perfect. He can just make it happen. What is even the point of me? Why am I even declaring these words? Am I, am I just being on for the, the ride here? Do I just need to sit, sit back and be passive and just let him do whatever? Well, no. Stay with me, Okay. Prayer, friends, is neither entirely active, me asking for stuff, or entirely passive, me submitting to God's will. You see, there are a number of voice tones in authorship and in writing. There's what's called the active voice, and that is where I am the actor, I initiate the action, I decide what to do and I do it. Then there's the passive voice, I am the subject, the action is happening to me. 
And us, as Westerners, we understand active and passive voice. We write in it, we speak in it, we behave in it. However, in ancient Greek, in the language of the New Testament, what we often don't have adequate words for is there is something called the middle voice, a third voice. And so when Jesus is praying and when he's providing a template, he is actually talking and speaking and showing us the middle voice. And this is a Eugene Peterson term, theologian, scholar, author of the Message Bible Translation. And he's been quite instrumental in this terminology of the middle voice. So what is the middle voice? If it's neither active nor passive, what is the middle voice? Well, the middle voice would be, I'm an active participant I'm joining in on the action, but it did not begin with me. And so prayer, friends, resides in the middle. Prayer is a different space, and that's what makes it mysterious and weird and complex. That's the wrestle of it, because it's a heaven meets earth. It's a supernatural space. It's not us initiating, and it's not us sitting back and doing nothing. It's us residing in the middle and saying, God, let me join with you on what you're doing. So Peterson would say it like this. Praying and spirituality feature participation. The complex, so if your head's gone, what? Yeah, this is complex. The complex participation of God and the human. His will and our wills. Get this. We do not abandon ourselves, passive, We do not pull strings that activate God's operation in our life. We neither manipulate God, active voice, nor are we manipulated by God, passive voice. We are involved in the action and participate in its results. Prayer is about us joining God in his will, being part of his story, participating in his will being done. Prayer is participating with God. And so what do middle voice prayers look like? What do they sound like? How do you even pray like that, Em? goes a little bit like this. Reveal your will. Empower me to participate in it. Staten again would say, the aim of prayer is not to get God in on what I think he should be doing. Hello? Newsflash, come here, participate, God, in this situation. Rather, the aim of prayer is to get us in on what God is doing, become aware of it, join it, and enjoy the fruit of participation. Prayer is participating with God. Now for the stone. So I have several M's will prayers right now, which are far easier to pray, far more comfortable to pray. I like my will prayers. My will prayers feel quite good. They feel like a friend. They feel peaceful. They're connected often to my flesh, connected to comfort and ease. It would be far easier, less radical, more comfortable to keep praying these will prayers. But middle voice prayers require a different posture. Now, I'm not for a second, don't walk away today going, okay, so we don't verbalise, we don't declare, we don't say anything, we're not active participants. No, 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 no. But friends, sometimes our energy and time and efforts 
have been so focused on what God, what we think God should be doing, we actually miss what he is doing. Sometimes we are so over here declaring stuff, declaring breakthrough in this situation, God, that we can't hear his whisper of, no, Em, this is about breaking you. So often we can be over here wielding and declaring and saying, change this situation, change that person. God's actually going, Em, I'm trying to change you. And as I woke at 2am last night, which often seems to be my pre-preach nighttime wrestle, that's fun for the whole family. I was awoken and I saw a giant chasm of activity in the spirit. It was full of vibrancy and colour. There was all of these things going on, almost like circus-like. It was, it was loud and noisy, but also detailed and quiet. It was just this monumental chasm of activity. And standing on the very edge of it was a little figure with its back towards this chasm of activity, looking out on a blank nothing expanse. And this little figure had its hands raised, was shouting, declaring, saying all sorts of things. And I felt in my spirit as I saw that, Holy Spirit would say, if only they'd turn around. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm working here. I'm working here. You're just facing in the wrong direction. Turn around and get on board with what is already happening. Trust me. I have you. I'm good. I have it all planned, all the details, everything in fine-tuned moment. Bolt my will to yours. Trust me. Then your desires will align. And so, friends, we've got to be careful that our active prayers aren't just us trying to manipulate God. Try not to admit our own anxiety or frustration trying to manoeuvre our will higher than his will. Likewise, we're not called to be passive by any means, to sit and just be like, God, whatever, whatevs, whatevs. It's a middle voice. And that, that's the mysterious nature of it, is prayer is participating with God. So friends, when we're praying your will be done, we need to know what that will is. So sometimes we've just got to be quiet so we can hear his will. And he's like, that thing you're banging on, that door you're banging on, that, that's not what this is about. Even this week, I've, I've had moments of, of that wield and that lament and that like breakthrough and that whatever and rah, rah, rah. And then I've seen like, it's almost like a spotlight on my home and gone, no, I'm actually working here. If you just shush for a minute, Em, you can see it. I'm here, I'm right here, I'm doing a work. This is my will, how about you join me in it? And so, band, can you come? So, friends, prayer is loving God. Prayer is wanting God. Prayer is participating with God. Obviously, it's all manner of other things, but these are the stones today. So the band is going to come and play for a minute. Names. And this is a beautiful song. 
And so friends, I'm going to give you a few options here now. I know it's hot. Stay with me. You try preaching. So you may have sat there and gone, okay, M, beautiful preach. Or maybe not. Average, whatevs. You, no, no, stop, 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 stop. You may go, I don't feel that's for me now. You may go, I'm not in a wrestling season of prayer with God. I'm not wrestling with God right now. Em, I'm, I'm pretty mature and established in my faith. I feel steady. I feel anchored. I feel hope-filled. What I would say to you is thank you. Thank you for forging and wielding and and getting to that process. This community of believers needs you. If that's you, we need you. We need you mothers and fathers and grandfathers of the faith who have done this process in the dirt and the dust and the valley and actually have some chops about you. We need your faith. And so can I encourage you, if that's you today as you sit here, slap your hand on someone in the foyer, be sticky hope for them. Allow Holy Spirit in a minute to maybe speak to you about someone that's going to be here on the altar and go after them in prayer this week. Send someone a message that you feel prompted to of encouragement this week if that is you. That's the first step. We need you. We thank God for you. Or maybe you sit here and you're thinking, prayer, Jesus, Walza, what have I walked into? You may have found yourself here for the first time in a long time or the first time at all. And you may feel a leaning, a compulsion, but you can't even describe it. And Pastor Ben will give you some next steps in a little bit of what you may do. For the rest of us, we're now going to lead into a time of worship. And these, these lyrics encapsulating body kind of what I've shared the heart of today. The wrestle, the awe, the trust. And so I'm going to get you to sing, friends. I'm going to stand and sing in a moment. Sing it as a prayer. Sing it as a cry. Sing again. But as we do that, I'm actually going to open the altar. And so two facets of this. Here on my right-hand side, if you want to come down in a declaration, in a symbolic statement that you've caught a stone and you know you need to offer that to God, like a moment of consecration, like a moment of recommitment of prayer. Perhaps for you it's about you know you need to love God again or differently or want God or you need to reframe that or participate with Him. And you just want to stand here in surrender and yield to Him and say, here I am. I want to continue my story with you. You may want to kneel, raise your hands or simply come in quiet obedience. Come this side. And friends, another next step and final next step is if you want to come and do that same posture, but you want a pastor to come and stand beside you, stand alongside you. Maybe they help need to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Maybe they need to help shift and sort your will from God's will. Maybe you just need to someone to come and stand with you in solidarity because that's the beauty of community. Then come and stand here. So let me pray this as we stand, friends. Jesus, we are sorry where we have made you a transaction.
where we have placed you on a platform to meet our neat and ordered needs. Where we have yelled and moaned and shouted and coerced our will to yours. Forgive us for not loving you, wanting you, participating with you. Forgive our infancy, forgive us for getting in the way of your grace. We come to you today, messy hands, tired hearts, big moves, and all we can say is we are yours. Posture our hearts, purpose our hands, position our will. We are yours. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.